eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What was your biggest overall impression about Championship Sunday, whether it relates to the Bears or not? Yeah, there were some uh, some some familiar names from uh, from Hellas Hall making some plays or not making some plays, as the case may be for Kendall Vildor in the second half of that 49ers-Lions game. Really in- interesting day of football overall, David, and I guess I would start with the AFC Championship game and, and that sense that my God, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are just the killer, right? Like they're just the 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 horror villain that won't go away for teams like the Ravens a week earlier, the Bills, who do seemingly everything right. They've got the quarterback position figured out. They keep giving themselves these swings in January to to make these longs runs in the postseason. And then Patrick and Andy and Travis show up and you're sent home and you're left with that restart and that that gut punch and that hollow feeling. Uh, and so that that was probably my biggest takeaway from the AFC Championship game is just how difficult it is to get through somebody like that and a dynasty like that. When you see Patrick Mahomes on this Jordan-esque type run, it, you kind of, you know, those of us who lived through the, the Bulls dynasty and, and every other team in the Eastern Conference felt blocked by the presence of Michael Jordan and the Bulls is probably the way that a lot of teams in the AFC feel now. Mahomes is on this kind of a run. And, and whether the Bears – look, I think it's incidental almost this year that the Bears have the number one overall pick and the, there's a quarterback who everybody is, has a consensus right now is, is going to be the guy that every team who would have that pick would take. I think that's almost incidental. What Patrick Mahomes winning again and returning to the Super Bowl says or underscores is just why teams want that elite quarterback. You know, this year it's Mahomes. He's been a, a regular visitor and participant in the Super Bowl. Another year it will be Joe Burrow. And we've seen other examples, but it's why teams chase that kind of greatness. Because when you have a quarterback like that, everything and anything seems possible. 
Well, you and I have to be very clear here, and this is for the hard-headed and the hard of hearing. It's not all Patrick Mahomes. He has a obviously a Hall of Fame coach in Andy Reid who's helped shepherd his development. He's got a, a an all-world tight end in Travis Kelsey. The Kansas City Chiefs defense played really, really well on Sunday in slowing down the Baltimore Ravens, but Patrick Mahomes is the driving engine of that entire operation. And when you see the belief that the past experience and the past success brings to the table, you understand the value of it. You mentioned the Jordan-esque Bulls. It was just that there was a sense that we're good. There was never a sense of, oh, no, you know, it was always, okay, we're going to get this figured out. And you almost felt the opposite for the Baltimore Ravens, who I described as having whatever one level below stage fright is, because that wasn't the same Ravens team that we've seen for most of the year. They were um, – undisciplined at times. I think they had five 15-yard penalties among their, their nine penalties on the day. Uh, they made some costly turnovers. They didn't take the ball away. And it felt like to me that the Chiefs scored the first touchdown of the game. Ravens matched. The Chiefs scored again. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh God, like we're going to have to keep up with this all day. And it, it, it almost frazzled the Ravens to a point where it became a belief game. And in my opinion, you get into a belief game with the Chiefs, you're going to lose nine out of 10 times. And I don't think there's anything to be uh, gleaned or, or it has much value in trying to look at, you know, Lamar Jackson did not have one of his better days. And certainly the Ravens season stopped there because of that or in large part or in part because of that. But I don't know that you're going to extrapolate that to say, well, see, see, you can only go so far with a quarterback who's a running run first quarterback. And so you want to apply that to the argument in Chicago when it's Justin Fields versus Caleb Williams. I, I, don't, I don't think that's a, a, a valuable exercise, even though I heard some of that or saw some of that on our morning show on the score, whether it was via texter or caller. I, I just don't think it's that uh, valid of a comparison. In, in the NFC, Dan, I think it's interesting because the Lions are at the top of the division, and that's where the Bears want to be. They want to take the North. We have the podcast to, to prove it. Uh, their meltdown... And blowing the lead, I think, is interesting because, to me, you if you're a Lions fan, I think you worry about it being more than just the end of a season. Yeah. I think you wonder how lasting the impact of this kind of a catastrophic loss and blowing a lead like this, like they did, what that will have in terms of an impact over the long haul on this franchise. I texted a buddy at halftime in that game. It's Lions 24 to 7 at that point. And I said, this is either the 2003 NLCS or it's the 2016 NLCS, right? <laughs> it, could go, it could go one of two directions, right? You could have this collapse that scars you for a decade or longer. Yes. Or you could, or you could have what the Cubs had in 16 where it was they just – kept building and building. And, and I, I think you were in this in Wrigley field for game six of the 2016 LCS, where it was just like, all right, this thing's in control from start to finish. And there's, it, there was no stress at all in winning yes. the pennant. Unfortunately for the lions, it went the previous way. And Steve Bartman was Dan Campbell, <laughs> the, the guy who made a couple decisions that, that ultimately uh, will be questioned forever and decisions that are worth talking about because there are nuance to them and there are, you know, uh, details folded within them. Um, I'd be curious to get your take and then I'll give you mine on, on, on the way that second half started on Sunday afternoon. Well, you know, uh, Mike Valenti uh, from the ticket in Detroit, well-known, been there in Detroit for 20 years. He was on the Mullen and Haw show on Friday and he compared it to the Cubs. So I do think your comparisons are pretty apt. And I referenced uh, that feeling, uh, the, the Bartman-like uh, feeling after the Lions lost, you felt in 2003 because there was a feeling of, oh, my, oh boy, 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is this this franchise is cursed. You can't yeah. do. And when the ball bounced off Kendall Vildor's face mask into the arms of of Brandon Ayuk, you're like, oh my gosh, there's no way they're going to win this game. And then Dan Campbell passed on the field goal, which I think was the wrong decision. Dan Campbell, yeah, they're there because his passion and will and all the things we documented and all the compliments are valid. I just think that you can't be, you can't, you can't be reckless and, and, and call it you know, aggressiveness. There was a time and place to take the points. And to me, you tied the game seven and a half minutes left. You got a 48 yard field goal. Another X bear, Michael Badgley probably could have nailed it from there. He's 77% from that distance throughout his career. Not a huge sample size, but that's the same percentage uh, of, say, Robbie Gold, who has uh, a lot larger sample size. It's a makeable field goal. Take the, take the tie game and move on. And I think once they once they missed on that fourth down, then I think that there was no way conceivable, really, that they were going to come back and win that game. Well, I was bothered more by the first one that they passed up when they were up 14 points. And I thought that that situation was the situation that you dream of. The 49ers came out after halftime and they had a really impressive drive and they stalled and they had to settle for three. And Kyle Shanahan said after the game that he felt like that was a loss for them, that they didn't get seven points to get themselves more into the football game right away in the second half. And the Lions should have chalked that up as a win and they should have gone down and and settled for the three, which would have kept them ahead by three scores. Uh, on that possession. And, and so you go for it. And I said, I said to my son on the couch, I said, after the third down play didn't convert, I said, you, you cannot go for it here. He goes, yeah, but he's Dan Campbell. And I was like, yeah, but you can't always be Dan Campbell. Like sometimes you have to manage the situation. You have to manage the game. And what I said on uh, 670, the score earlier on Monday, David, was sometimes you need an exhale far more than you need an adrenaline rush. And right. the Lions just needed an exhale there. Just get the three points, take a breath, keep all of the pressure on the 49ers. And in going for it and missing, all of a sudden you allowed misfortune to board the train and you allowed the 49ers to have this belief that that they were ready to go. And then you mentioned you've got a, a, a pass off the face mask of a defensive back that's caught for a big game. Then you get a touchdown. Then Jameer Gibbs has the Alex Gonzalez ground ball to short. You know, the right. ball comes out and all of a sudden the, the floodgates are open and that, that that juju in the building is a real thing. And you've got a way, uh, figure out ways to keep it on your side. And I just thought there were some, some majorly squandered opportunities from a head coaching standpoint that um, will scar you. They will scar you until you get back to that place they will scar you until you surpass that place they may never heal if the lions never get to the super bowl somehow i think one day dusty baker may be blamed for the lions meltdown <laughs> in the fourth quarter I, I i just think that is one of those things that and it's hard to describe but you know they are that kind of a franchise and when you wait that long things seem heavier and then the moments seem bigger and you, you don't get – you don't know if you're going to have a second chance. And Brock Purdy was revived by that deflected 51-yard completion uh, to Ayuk, and he was a different quarterback after that, almost like he exhaled. And and so the 49ers did what they did, and Dan Campbell sounded afterward much different than the guy that we heard all season long. He said basically – and I, no I know what he was meaning. Yeah, no regrets, but he also said, we don't know if we'll be back. I, I just – 
I don't know how you say that after you basically were there just by the power of your belief. Now you're like, well, I don't, I told the guys, I don't know for coming back. So you might as well look around and enjoy this because, you know, this could be it for us. No, I, I just don't understand the rhetoric for a team that was basically fueled by rhetoric all well, season you know, long. That's emotion, and and that's a guy who wears his emotion on his sleeve, and he'll he'll regroup by the time they have their first OTA practice. I promise you that, and he'll be breathing fire back into that group. They're going to have to withstand whatever happens with Ben Johnson next. They're going to have to see what happens to their roster in the offseason, and they're going to have to understand that it's a lot harder to stay on the top than it is to get to the top, and that's something that is really, really, really clear, and it's really impressive about the teams that are able to do it over and over again. Um Another thing I brought up, David, earlier today was was the 2006 Bears, and you lived that a lot more closely than I did. But in conversations I've had with guys that have been part of that over the years, you know, you, you've got a guy like Patrick Manley who still at his home has the the confetti on the bottom of his cleat that belonged to the Colts. You know, and and you you talked to guys like Charles Tillman and other guys that were part of that team that talked about seeing the Colts line up for victory formation in the Super Bowl and thinking, man, like, I cannot wait to get back here because this hurts so bad. And guess what? You never get back. And then decades down the road, you go, man, I cannot believe we never got back. And it's just a reminder at all times of how precious those opportunities are. And the Lions, who had to wait forever to find themselves back in that moment, and not only in that moment, but dominating that moment, a first half that I think took everyone by surprise with how much they controlled that, and then it goes out the side door and out the window and down the toilet or whichever direction it went, and you just have no idea when you're going to be back in that position again. That's a really good reference point. I hadn't really thought about that. Uh, the 2007 Bears season, the one that followed 06 and then won the NFC Championship game, you've been part of a lot of losing in terms of covering this team the last decade, 11 years or so, and, and there have been a lot of hard seasons to endure. When you look back at 2007, I, I wonder how that compares to some of the most, one of the most disappointing ever. They were a team that came back after a Super Bowl appearance, winning the NFC Championship, and to your point, you know, I think 21 of 22 starters returned and they were ready to take that next step. And then something changed and something yeah. happened and then there were injuries and it's never the same. So from that standpoint, Dan Campbell's exactly right. It's never going to be exactly like it was this season and the dynamics forever are changed. But I I don't know that you can count on anything. You're, that's a really good reference point. And I, and I wonder if the Lions, you know, they, they made Lionsing a verb again. You know, in 2024, yeah. they had eliminated that from our, our our vocabulary, and then they did what they did. So Ben Johnson leaving is going to change that dynamic for Jared Goff, the entire offense, and we'll see what happens next. Speaking 20, of – 2019 bears also a similar fate where if you remember the Super Bowl sky-high expectations for the, the 100th season of the NFL, yeah. and every and no one thought that that team wasn't at least going to be playing in the playoffs, and then you, you suffer through an 8-8 eight eight disaster, and the quarterback never got – back to the same levels he was at and, and guys got old. And the next thing you knew, you're, you're, you're rebooting, you know, with a lot of different faces and a lot of different people in key roles. And it's just, you just never know. And so when, when you get opportunities, you better seize. The bears celebrate handling adversity really well and often, but it sometimes comes down to how teams handle success. The lions are going to find that out because the bears historically haven't been really good at that either. You 2006 to 07, that was a letdown. When they went to the NFC Championship game during the 2010 season, they come back, and that wasn't a good follow-up to that. And then you mentioned 2018, you win the division, you get double-doinked out of the playoffs, and then 2019 was a disaster. So how the Lions handled the success, how they move on without potentially Ben Johnson, 
will be interesting. I wonder what happens next for him as we sit here on Monday afternoon. Um, He's been rumored to be the next coach of the Washington Commanders. We'll see if that becomes official. 